1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: This is the Cork Today
3: replay on C103. As we kick off a bank holiday weekend here on uh, C103, welcoming you along. And let me start actually by setting the agenda by some of our listeners with issues that some of our listeners uh, want to talk about and highlight on the programme today, including uh, a message in from Jenny, who is shocked by the latest attack on an artwork by climate change activists. And Jenny is pondering this morning, what are they hoping to achieve by, att- by attacking some of the world's most famous pieces of art and I suppose what they are trying to achieve they certainly are achieving and that's publicity because I take it again yesterday when what is probably one of the most recognisable pieces of artwork the girl with the pearl earring by the Dutch artist Vermeer was the latest to be targeted yesterday eco-protesters yesterday uh, well one tried to glue his shaven head to the glass Protecting the portrait in the uh, Netherlands. And again, they were wearing the T shirts uh, saying, just stop uh, oil. Uh, there was a number, obviously, of art lovers in the museum at the time, and there was uh, the there was groans and heckles from the very unimpressed uh, onlookers who were trying to drown out drown out the protesters who, uh, by telling them to shut up, and they were speaking about the need for environmental action. Now, it was a slightly different to some of the other protests we've seen of late, in that the protester got out the superglue and was pouring it on the side of his head. And I don't know whether it was his ear he was trying to glue on to the glass. I wasn't too sure. And then the guy that was with him opened up a tin of chopped tomatoes and poured the tin of chopped tomatoes over the protester's head as the protester was trying to glue himself to the the painting. So I wasn't sure whether the tomatoes, because in previous attacks, that's what's happened. They'll have whatever it is, a tin of custard, or was there mashed potato used, uh, in, in in another in a, a tin of tomato soup, and they pour that over the throw that onto the the painting, and then they glue themselves. Usually, their hand they'll glue to the wall beside the painting, and then they'll start talking about their the environmental action and and why they want the world uh, to stop uh, using oil. So I was a bit confused by the crowd yesterday in the uh, Netherlands. And of course, I think it started out with the the the, the tomato soup on the Van Gogh. Sunflowers. That was earlier in the month. Uh, so, Jenny's just wondering what they're hoping to achieve. Well, I suppose publicity more than anything, because certainly yesterday, again, when the artwork was attacked yesterday in the Netherlands, I take it every single news service worldwide again, we're picking up on it. And that's really what they're trying to do. They're trying to get a bit of publicity for their uh, campaign to just stop uh, oil. But of course tied into all of this is the junior minister Oshin Smith who is a Green Party uh, minister. Now it is looking like yesterday he was backtracking slightly over comments that he had made and comments that he had made that appeared to be supporting the protesters who are attacking what are priceless paintings. The only thing is all of these paintings are behind glass so none of them thankfully have been damaged but the junior minister Oshin Smith he was speaking at the special sitting of the Oireachtas Climate Change Committee in the Senate and the Green Junior Minister says that when he sees people throwing tins of beans or tins of tomatoes at paintings with glass on them or whatever, he says he said that's a really effective thing to do because it draws attention. He said he understood young people's impatience with the slow pace of work in the Dáil and then he went on in his speech to point Point to speeches by the wonderful David Attenborough and Gretchen Thunberg, and he used those as examples of activists using powerful words to bring attention to climate issues but members of the art world really took him to task because it did look like uh, he was saying look what these people are doing I understand why they're doing it and it was an effective thing to do and and people felt that what he was saying was actually encouraging maybe some Irish climate, climate activists uh, to do the same thing so uh, there was this huge backlash obviously from the art world and art lovers so following the backlash he had I mean to me he certainly is backtracking and he's now saying that he wasn't suggesting in that speech to the Oireachtas that anyone should follow the example of the art vandals and I quote he said during my speech I referenced how artwork which was covered in glass had food thrown over it by climate activists while the action undeniably generated debate around climate change I am in no way advocating that anyone else uh, should Follow this lead, so there is a bit of backtracking uh, going on there. But of course, as a number of other people pointed out these are, you know, climate uh, activists, and in all cases, they're wasting food. And with food poverty, and with famine, and with people starving around the world, is it not also a waste of food? So anyway, uh, Jenny is wondering people's thoughts on the art, uh, the the latest gallery stunt with the eco protesters, as they say, attacking it's the girl, that gorgeous painting of the girl with the pearl earring. You're your thoughts welcomed on that. John Paul taking calls, 0818103103. And then an email into Patricia at C103.iE from uh, Frank that reads, "It is a really well put together email. Frank says, uh, Patricia." On Tuesday morning last, I woke and found myself checking the calendar just in case I'd been in a very, very deep sleep for many, many months and returned to the land of the living on April 1st, Fool's Day. After some time, I discovered to my relief that I hadn't been in the land of Nod. It was, as it should be, October the 25th. And no, it wasn't April Fool's Day, but it could have been. I read it over and over again to ensure that what I was reading was correct. The government were planning to sign a bill to allow nightclubs to remain open until 6am in the morning with the added attraction of people being allowed to order drink to their heart's content up to 5am in the morning. I continued to ask myself over and over again, was government in their right minds? A government that claims to look after the welfare of its citizens would agree to such an irresponsible decision. We are sick to the teeth of all this Leinster House waffle about acting on alcohol abuse, sexual assaults, domestic abuse and violence on our streets. Not surprisingly the AGSI, the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors are concerned, as well they should be. It'll fall on their members and members of Angarda Siakona overall to mop up and sort out the havoc that this bill will cause. You will now have a situation where drunks are wobbling around the streets just in time to coincide with people going to work. Years ago, I worked as a DJ in the Cork city centre in a lot of nightclubs. From the lofty heights of the DJ box, I could see all this trouble brewing. Back then, nightclub hunters were sent on their merry way at 1am in the morning. On my way home, I regularly saw them shouting and roaring, particularly along Patrick Street, as they struggled to determine what exact planet they were on. During the week, we also heard that the spiking of drinks was on the increase and completely underreported. This despicable act was usually the, the prelude to sexual assaults, we are told, by those who should know. So, would some concerned citizens please come together, travel to Leinster House, seek out its delusional inhabitants and knock their heads together in an attempt to instil some sense into, as a former teacher of mine would say, the empty vessels masquerading as brains. Every single person that I've spoken to since this story broke on Tuesday are as bemused as I am. It smacks almost of the idiots in Washington who refuse or are scared to tackle the insanity of the firearms legislation. We are sorry, they say, but you're too young to have a drink, but we can give you a fully loaded rifle which is much safer for you kind regards and that's Frank one of our listeners well done a very well uh, put together email and I think Frank makes a lot of points in fairness some of our listeners have been making uh, during the week that it is is it going to lead to more drinking now some people within the industry says it won't that what it will do is that people are allowed to stay out longer they'll space out their drinking that's the theory behind it but there will always be people who are going to drink too much and who are going to fall out onto the streets and get into all kinds of mischief and all kinds of nuisance, and will get involved in antisocial behavior, but uh, Frank, it does look like you know it, it it's while it's g- gone past the cabinet, it hasn't gone through legislation yet, and we we found out during the week that it's not going to be until at least next summer before the legislation is put in place, and I imagine there's going to be a lot of arguments and a lot of debates between now and then 0818, 103, 103 John Paul taking your cause. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103
4: 103. Waking up to kiss you and nobody's there. The smell of your perfume still stuck in me. air. It's all. Yesterday I thought I saw your shadow running round. It's funny how things never change in this old town. So far from the stars And I want to tell you everything The words I never got to see the first time around And I remember everything From when we were the children painting this fairground shout I was with you now If the whole world was watching, I'd still dance with you. Drive highways and byways, be there with you. Over and over, the only truth, everything comes back to you. I saw that you moved on with someone new. got its arms around you It's so hard So hard And I want to tell you everything The words I never got to say the first time around And I remember everything from when we were the children playing in this fairground Wish I was there with you now If the whole world was watching, I'd still dance with you Drive highways and byways be there with you Over and over, the only truth Everything comes back to you You still make me nervous when you walk in the room Then butterflies, they come alive when I'm next to you Everything comes back to you mm-hmm. And I know that it's wrong That I can't move on But there's something about you Cause if the whole world was watching I'd still dance with Butterflies, they come alive when I'm next to you. Over and over, the only truth, everything comes back to you. Mm -hmm. Everything comes back to you.
3: That's uh, Niall Horan on C103 and this uh, town. Did you see that programme that he did with uh, Lewis Capaldi where he took Lewis Capaldi to his hometown of Mullingar and he actually sang that in his local pub. I thought it was lovely. I thought it was a lovely... P- I really enjoyed that programme. I thought it was very funny but I thought that was a lovely part of the programme and everybody singing along uh, with a song all about his hometown of uh, Mullingar. Now Mary was on when I mentioned about the attacks on the art uh, work, and says uh, thank you so much for highlighting. Uh, this, when you're on about paintings, been attacked. Only last week we hit a Van Gogh, uh, attacked him. This week it was the girl with the pearl uh, earring. Uh, these attention-seeking people need to be stopped. I suppose the only good side from the from the art world point of view because many of these are absolutely priceless uh, paintings they are in the, the the main I think they all probably are behind glass of the actual painting themselves is not being damaged but where is it going to end uh, Mary I, I simply don't know thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and I forgot to say when I was saying we're kicking off a bank holiday weekend jazz weekend and everybody looking forward to the weekend today is also the final day for the C103's Free Fuel Friday. We've been running this right throughout the month of October and we've had lots of fun with it, where we've been giving away vouchers worth €100. Euro. It is a fuel voucher with East Cork Oil. They serve Cork City and County and across Munster, and you can actually check out their locations uh, by going to yourlocaloilcompany.ie. Uh, now, as we have done, and I heard Ken doing it this morning, and Ken had a wonderful winner the, this morning, uh, a mother who was up and down I think she's banned him heading to CUH constantly because she's recently had twins and the twins are still in hospital so you can imagine how much the fuel costs of that particular family uh, is going up and down so she was really, really a worthy winner we have a star in the car for you just take a listen Uh, you don't text or WhatsApp us yet I'll be asking you to do it a little bit later on but to just give you an idea of who is today's star in the car take a listen
2: you know,
5: making TV shows is is great fun but it's, it's very much kind of a team thing
3: Okay, now that I hear it, I heard that the first time I went, oh, and then I had to hear it a second time.
5: You
3: know, making TV shows is, is great fun but it's, it's very much kind of a team thing Yeah and he does make uh, very funny uh, TV shows OK hold off on that if you think you know who that well known star is he is our star in the car for today and by identifying him later on on the programme you could be winning a 100 euro fuel voucher you can use it to fill up your tank you can use it for your home heating oil thanks to our good friends at East Cork uh, Oil always local only on C103 Cork today on c 10
6: Three. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. C M I G dot I E.
3: Now, a Cork student is urging owners of imported Japanese cars to invest in a steering lock or other anti theft devices after her own car was unfortunately stolen and then completely destroyed. Vika Fleming joins me to share her own story this morning. Good morning, Jevika. Hi good morning and uh, thank you for joining us okay I suppose take us back When did you discover that your car had been stolen?
7: So I parked it up on Saturday night um around five, five o'clock and um, I came out the next morning then around half 12 just after midday and it was it was gone and um, there was no glass or anything on the floor so I had no idea where I'd gone it like it was just vanished. Um, I had a quick look around, couldn't find anything. Um and then we found the barrel for the ignition on the grass. And I suppose that's when we kinda of realised that it was gone.
3: That it had been stolen and you had ha- you it, yeah. had it locked and they didn't have your keys or anything like that. Now, you had a smart tag in the yeah. car.
7: Yeah, so what it is is just it pings off other Samsung devices. Um to give kind of like a location of where the tag is. Okay. So I suppose I realised that I had it in the glove box, I remembered, so I was like, thank God, I'll have a quick look at that. Um, and I, you were actually able to look at the location history and I saw that it had gone through like town, out to Ballinlock, down to Paragoline, back into the city and then it was last kind of known location was... Brown Patrick's key at about four AM, and then it was obviously later driven up to Kilcolly to be burned out.
3: Okay, so four, and were you able to work out what time it, it had been stolen at?
7: I think so. Yeah, it looked like it like started moving from the location I parked it in at around half twelve, just after mid, uh, midnight.
3: And and the last time you reckon it was it was moving was four AM. So they went on a bit of a, a, a right jolly in it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah.
7: And like, to be honest, there was only about half a tank of petrol in it as well. So I was like, oh, they couldn't have gone far, but they went for a good ride in it.
3: And then how, at what point did you find out that it had been destroyed?
7: Um, It wasn't until the next day. um, It wasn't until the next day I got a call from the guards just saying that the car had been located, um, but it had been completely incinerated.
3: So what, two, they must have put Petron into, uh, into it and set it on fire? Probably, yeah. Uh, have, 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 did, did you get to see it? No, no. Uh, to be honest, no. I, I don't want to see it. No, it, no, no. No. too no. much at the moment. Ah, uh, okay, now, uh, this is the sting in the tail uh, and this is, this is your word of warning. It was a Japanese impor, import, it's, it's a Toyota Vitz. I wasn't aware of this. Are they easier to steal than other cars?
7: Um, well, so I was kind of informed that it lacks the immobilizer, and um, because I think by European laws the cars in Europe have to have them, but the Japanese imports they don't because car theft over there isn't really a thing. And um, so when you get the Japanese imports, they're not fit with the like the immobilizers and all the security features that the European cars have. So when I was talking to the guy, you know, I, I had no idea that I was. That important. I didn't even realize that a mobilizer was a thing. You know,
3: and there are a lot of Japanese imports in this country.
7: Yeah, you see them everywhere. Like even just walking around now, like I've at least spotted like five or six just within maybe an hour. Or so you know they're everywhere because they're they're good price, good cars. Um, but people, I don't think are aware that they lack these security features. So I couldn't emphasize it enough. To get a good. Steering lock, anything you can do just to protect your car, just to deter anyone
3: from it. Yeah, and the thing is, they they break in, and because these are easy, easy without the immobilizer, they're easier to start. Whereas when they look into your car, the good old fashioned steering locks that were certainly very popular in the eighties and nineties, um, and you can see that there's a steering lock on, and they're going to they'll move on to another car because that's just they won't be able to remove it. Yeah.
7: Yeah, just anything just to, you know, I suppose, protect yourself in any shape or form.
3: And you're without a car. How long? When did you buy the car? I only bought it back in
7: January after passing my test in December. So it was my first car um, and I've only had it for 10 months and now it's gone.
3: And I'm assu- uh, and I'm assuming as a student, at Vika, you didn't have the cash in the bank to go out and buy the car in January, did you? Take a loan?
7: Yeah, I took out a loan for it. Um, I'll be paying that off now for the next while. Um, but now, you know, I'm paying off the loan still. But I just know car to. What are your
3: for it. What are your insurance companies saying to you?
7: Um, at the moment, anyway, it's just being investigated. Okay. Just, they have to do all the paperwork. Um, I'm just waiting for them now just to get back to me to figure out what my next guess is. Are
3: you fully comprehensive? Yeah, thank God. And that would have been for a first driver for your your first licence, that would have been expensive, was it?
7: Yeah, it, it definitely was, you know, and I paid that off monthly as well. So that on top of the loan and then obviously servicing and everything, like it is a lot of money but for me, it was worth it because I have to do, like, I have to have the car for my master's.
3: That's, so what are you doing a master's then? Um, I'm doing primary school teaching. Oh, God, and we need you so badly. We need you so badly. Yeah. Um, and you need the car to get in and out, uh, get in and out to college, is it?
7: Yeah, like, it's just, there's like some classes and stuff like that um, that are like on site. So I'd have to go and travel for those. But without the car it would be a lot harder and way more
3: time consuming So how have you been coping what did you do all week?
7: Um, Well thankfully I had nothing this week it's going to be next week now that, that it could get a little bit tricky
3: Ah, oh, it's just—it's—it's it's really a soul destroying. It's—it's—it it's, is shocking, and the—and obviously, I know you reported to, to the Garda. Did they give you any sense of hope that they might be able to catch the thief or the thieves? I'm, I'm assuming there was more than one got into the car.
7: Yeah, like it seems like it's maybe just a very small few groups of them. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to—I don't know—narrow narrow down who did it.
3: Yeah, but it's just this... Whatever about stealing, you know, taking your car and going off on a joyride and and whizzing around the city and heading out to Carrigaline and heading back into the city, why the need to burn it out?
7: That's the thing, you know, I think that was, like, the last kind of, like, gut punch, really. Like, I was so upset that it was gone because I had been so careful with the insurance, you know, driving so carefully, making sure that, you know, I never bumped anything. And... Then it happened and then I find out that it was just been burnt out just because they didn't want to, I don't know, leave any DNA behind or anything like that, just to be malicious. (sighs) It's
3: crazy. It's crazy. Listen, let the bad luck of the year go with it and uh, let's hope the insurance company comes up trumps, you get your money and you'll be back on the road, hopefully in no time uh, at all. But listen, Vika, thank you for sharing your story with us this morning of course, thank you very much. Good morning to you bye bye, bye bye young uh, Vicky Fleming, a Cork uh, student so beware if you are driving a Japanese import and they're great little cars, absolutely fantastic cars, go out and buy yourself a good old fashioned steering lock which I'm sure any car company uh, will have a car parts uh, company I'm, I'm assuming that they are easy to buy or they are There's, or maybe this and maybe the steering locks have come on and there's other anti theft devices but you need to have them because uh, it seems and I certainly as Vika said she didn't know herself and I didn't know either that these Japanese imports don't have immobilisers emo- o- for the very reason is in Japan nobody steals cars 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103
2: Cork today on C103 with
6: Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie and
3: just some reaction in listening to poor uh, Vika, the Cork student, who had her car stolen last weekend and then burnt out. And it's a Japanese import and she was she wants to highlight it for people because they don't have immobilisers so you need to get things like steering locks or anti-theft devices. Somebody says, Pritja, those steering locks you're talking about are useless. Two to three seconds with a mini grinder and in some cases you can bend them off. Bowl cutters work as well as you can cut a chunk out of the steering wheel. Well, I suppose in many cases they might not have a mini grinder with them you would be hoping that they wouldn't have bold cultures but maybe they do but then somebody else says Patricia I was listening to poor Vika who had her car stolen I have something that's called a crook lick Or is that meant to be a crook lock? It's a lockable hook that goes behind the brake pedal and then connects to the steering wheel. It's made of hardened steel. It takes two seconds to fit and to take off. A good deterrent. And for about €30 worth every single cent of it. I also have a Japanese import. Thank you, So I take it that's the reason that you bought that particular lockable hook. So there are good anti-theft devices on the market. But if you have a Japanese import, you need to please bear it in mind. 0818. 103 103. Now my next guest this morning, Michael Fortune, grew up in a family immersed in story, superstition and folk belief in County Wexford that has led him to a lifelong interest in folklore. Now we've spoken with Michael before, in particular around his interest in Irish dressers that of course led him to wonderful calendars. This morning Michael Fortune joins us to talk about Halloween and the traditions and the superstitions that are around at this time of the year. Good morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Oh, well, always great to have you on. Are you a fan of Halloween and things that go bump in the night?
5: I am. I'll be honest with you. I'm as excited <laughs> as, as, as my three little ones. It, it's a, and it's funny now, I, I was only chatting to someone there earlier this morning and dropping the children up to school. And we're kind of saying the children are probably more excited about it than as excited about it as, as Christmas. Because I suppose they get a chance to dress up and go with their friends. And they do. It's different. You know, it's a, it's a different experience. But back in the past, I suppose, it was the start of, start of winter, you know, and it was the start of all of our carnival and dressing up. Um, it's a kind of wider European tradition, but, you know, it's the start of getting dressed up, well, get dressed, uh, dressing up. Part of it is, you know, it's linked in with like the Wren boys and the Christmas fools and the Biddy boys and then the going out at Easter as well. And it kind of usually would finish up around Lent, at the end of Lent, that's when it did normally kind of finish up. And I suppose it made perfect sense because we were entertaining ourselves and. the Depths of winter, you know, you look out nose for a stark at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, get, yeah, whatever it is. So. Yeah. we need some, something to give us a lift, you know. So, so, if, you so, know. so
3: the dressing up has been there for for many many years. But the the, the trick or treating that the children do, going door to door, is that something we just took from America?
5: Yeah, well, yeah, it, we did in, in in a way, right? The dressing up part of it wasn't as widespread. Funny, I was looking at like a 1940s map of the other day and it's just very strong in Dempster and strong in Cork, Waterford as well and, and scattering along the West Coast. But the dressing up tradition of, i.e. I, putting on a mask and calling around or dressing up in an old the little case called your neighbour's house to get something was part of a wider thing of dressing up like the Renboys boys going out in St. Stephen's Day getting a few pounds or, or whatever it is for charity whatever they're doing now but it was always about getting something and you'd all had to do something to get something that was the deal and especially in country areas you caught call to your neighbours and you know you, it was a bit of a game as well Because your neighbours you trying to figure out who you are and should, to, to, to do that with well who you are you know But the, 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 so the, I always kind of the, the experience in, in, in rural communities is very different than the towns and cities and it has been you know because I suppose like I live in rural county Wexford and probably some of your listeners as well in rural Cork it's different because you can call to your neighbours and your neighbours are half expecting you and you know it's different in the towns because you're, you know you can't invite half the parish intake yeah, give yeah. Monkey, monkey nuts so but the idea of you know that, that import definitely a, but. The, the, the idea of calling and getting something was was here. It was always here. That's part of the rent by stuff. But now I suppose the idea of just young ones knocking on your door and just asking for something um, is, 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 is is new, you know. Because in the past you'd have to do something. I one would give you anything. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I remember as a child when when we when we went, we didn't call it trick or treating, but uh, no. we used to have to sing. We used to, have to sing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you earned the few uh, the few peanuts that you got. And talking of the peanuts and the monkey nuts, wh- what are the foods that are attached to, the, to this time of year?
5: Yeah, well, see, it's it's a harvest festival and it basically so whatever nuts and fruit were out there on the ditches still so you'd be talking in the past was hazelnuts and apples and pears whatever you would have had grown naturally and the funny thing is all up and down every part of the country there was always the first November or Halloween night or November's night they always called it you were always warned never to eat a blackberry off the ditch and they'd probably be gone by that stage but the sloes or the, anything on the ditches they said that the poo goes out that night or the fairies the fairies were out and they were after doing their business on them so some of them would just like that now <laughs> but that was it. But you know, it made sense because then you know, okay, right after that, that date, that's the cut-off date. I won't eat them then. Um, and that was that was another thing as well. because we feasted, and um, also simple things as well. Like we used to uh, call cannon. Call cannon was a, in our house it was always a big pot of call cannon thrown on Halloween night. I'd still do it. And um, again, now what's, you...
3: what, what's call cannon to you?
5: No, here's a, start a regional row. Yeah, in Westford we had right, it was a one pot job, so we had. Onions, there was no spring onions or scallions back then in the middle of November in the middle of end of October. So it was onions, spuds, cabbage, we didn't have kale, and when Wexford we always put a parsnip in and the parsnip in. and then we did a kind drop of water, boiled it up, mashed up with butter and salt, and then we'd slip in um we'd slip in a the kind then. It was always a kind slip into the mo- into into the coal can and then as well, like it's like a barn break. How
3: would you, what was yours, eh? Uh, uh, yeah, ours was the, the raw onions um, and the cabbage. It wouldn't have been kale, but it was all all mashed up. Now, we didn't put coins, we didn't put coins into it. Maybe we weren't, yeah. maybe we didn't have the money. But the yeah, cut, co- <laughs> but the, but the and, and I mentioned this earlier when, when I knew you were coming on the, the barn brack and all the bits and pieces in the barn brack. Yeah, say the same
5: thing again, and I'll even just stop you before I mention them. Isn't it lovely the way you said barn brack? And I say barnbrack, and some people would say a brack, but nowadays people tell it they're barnbrack. So that's one, of the, one, that's one of the great regions. That's yeah, one you of see, the
3: it, I always thought it was bar. I thought it was an M, but it's an N. It's Barn Brack.
5: brack yeah, yeah brack. it's a bit of yeah. a, bit, a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then brack is from uh, yeah, is from, the, from the Irish. But the uh, was well, sorry, the is from the Irish. From from, from bread barn barryn is um, you get it in Welsh and you get it in. Breton, as well, and for barra for bread. But anyway, that's not okay. here or there. Compared to what is here or, there, or is there, you should nowadays, you go to the shop and you buy one, yeah. you get a ring in it, which is, you know, should we all want to get married? That's the, that's, the, that's the end game, you know. But you probably remember as well in the past, people would put maybe a little piece of pea in it, or a piece of cloth, or
3: Maybe and money, and, and and the one we discussed earlier, the stick. And if you got the stick, <laughs> if you got the stick, you'd beat. And it was you'd beat your wife, it wasn't that you'd beat your husband.
5: Uh, well, uh, Come here to me. It, 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 they really do show you of the times they were from. Yeah. Uh, I was only having this conversation with someone the other day, and we said the exact same. And one thing as well as well it was uh, there was a game called a plate game, and it was similar to him. He crack again. You blindfold a child, spin them around. And you have maybe three or four or five plates in front of them with wash and the stick a the ring and you know but the fact that water was an oil that meant that we were so used to immigration it was just part of the deal every county in the country had water in it um, and some, and the clay meant death the clay meant death but I've come across a lot of people saying they didn't want to you can understand that why didn't want yeah. to fight in daylight to have a child To say oh you're going to marry a rich farmer if you put your hand in the clay don't <laughs>
3: <laughs> but now, now certainly on the barnbrack, we're now left with just a ring, and that's and that, and that's it. Everything else is, ta- is is gone. Pumpkins? Is that is that something that was?
5: No, it's not. I'm sure. No. to me again from your listeners as well. And um, now we now the Irish were sure You know yourselves. We, we all put on our county jerseys, and sure we all put on our country jerseys we claim you know, we claims we invented that. Now the turnips with the turnips for sure, we had a huge influence on what went to America, without a doubt, but the Halloween tradition in America massive influence on our the Irish did right, mid eighteen hundreds. We carved turnips and I guarantee you, our, our sugar beet, I guarantee you, some of your listeners remember doing it. Now it's pure hardship. It's dog's hardship now to be fair, carving a turnip that <laughs> that is, there's, no, there's no there's no there's no way what, what way of saying it. But you put it you carve a little turnip, put the glides out of the mouth out of it. Drop a little candle in it. Sometimes people would put them in their windows for decoration. But most people, I remember, we went out with them in little coat hangers, and you carried them out with you on the Halloween night because it was just a little bit of light and a little bit of, I suppose, a little bit of creativity. I suppose in the in, in, on a dark evening, there was, there's all these theories now about frightening the souls. Not in behalf of them, I think, are, a lot of it is a lot of it with a lot of people's imagination, you know. Mm. But it was done. Come here to me. It was done in Scotland done in Wales done in England Cornwall done the island of Man still really strong on the island of Man and the Dutch do a version of it as well so we didn't invent it but we definitely influenced the American pumpkin thing for sure
3: because that's all what right, we brought That's good on. to know that's good to know and also very much a time to remember the dead.
5: Absolutely Camille it's funny there's a kind of a stew at Halloween all these different things that you're talking about and by separating it's lovely having like this chat with you because the, the dead like any or can people remember like I I do it. My, my parents passed away there a couple of years ago. And it's maybe as you're getting older as well, you would um you're liking candle. I'd always like a candle and leave a candle out on a snow because that's what they did. and um, the mm-hmm. grandmother before that did. And some people again, the grandmother before that, like I'm sure loads of people up and down the country to put a you'd leave the door open, you'd leave a little fire lighting, you'd leave a little towel out, you'd leave a bit of food out. And I'm still coming across people who would leave out a bottle of stout or maybe leave out a sandwich or leave out something because I suppose to believe that the dead came back. And it wasn't in a scary way, it was a kind of comforting way that you know that you were thinking of the people who had gone before you, going into the depths of winter. Um, so that's a nice thing to do. I think that's yeah. a nice thing. To, maybe I... maybe it's we, we're, we're, we're getting older. Yeah, maybe blood.
3: that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. As um, Somebody yeah. says, does Michael remember bobbing for apples?
5: Yes, absolutely. And um, Bob, that's the great thing as well. One of the great the simple things like, Bobbing for apples. And if you think about this for one second, one of the great things I like about Halloween is, especially for your child, one is getting dressed up and you can get a chance to be someone else. That's a lovely thing because we're ourselves all alive so it's nice to be someone different for, for, for a day, you know, and that's lovely to witness little ones dressing up, whatever they are. But even the things like bobbing for apples, putting your head under water and trying to grab a coin with your teeth or trying to grab a spinning apple with your teeth, or trying to, you know, different sensations and things like that. So there, it's a lovely chance for that kind of element to play and to kind of experience new, new just new, 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 new feelings, you know. Um, and there's nothing as magic as going to, and, and, and I suppose that's what it is special about, especially for a child. Getting dressed up, being someone else for the, for the for the night, and then going out in the dark, going out in the dark with your friends and getting sweets. So there is a little bit of magic to it, and it sets itself up. It, it, it makes complete sense, you know. We're heading into the dark, the darkest part of the year, and the winter's cold, and the, you know the evenings yeah. are short, yeah, yeah. mornings are dark. I mean, we, we we did these things to 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 um, I suppose to cheer ourselves up, you know, uh,
3: um, and shorten so. the winter because then after that, then you start to look forward to uh, to Christmas. What about bonfires? What's the tradition behind bonfires at Halloween?
5: very strong Um, and even to go back if we go back exactly six months back to the 1st of May be able to uh, right we'd always had bonfires or we put up May bushes you did May trees and May things and Cork as well and, and, and Kerry um, so you marked them month of May and then exactly six months we marked it going into, into the winter so fire was always important now at home bonfires are really important I don't know in Cork, I, I think sure you look at Cork and St John's Eve or St John's Eve was bonfire tradition yeah
3: there. yeah yeah huge yeah. So yeah.
5: The, the bonfire tradition is huge you know it, it is I'd even come across I'd go to Newfoundland a good bit and there would have been people from East Cork there as well and it'd be um, lighting. Um, they would have always bonfires again brought out. You know, nothing do Guy Fox. It was just much much older than that. And um, people would have little kind of torches. You'd see like you'd see them still them for a same uh, or under end bys. Might have them in when they're nights. Sometimes the nighttime processions with um, lit lit torches. You know, up in the air. The fire was always important. You know, I suppose I. You know, you can only speculate as to why, you know, but
3: I think we always mark those important dates with fires. you know. Yeah, and I know certainly in a lot of rural areas across Cork, if 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 the parish team might win a county final or something, when the team is coming back and the fires are lit at all the crossroads and and there's something lovely about it. Listen, it's always a pleasure uh, to speak with you, Michael. As I mentioned in the introduction, I first started speaking Mm. to you a couple of years ago uh, with the dressers and you've had phenomenal success with your calendars for the last two years. And I'm told you're bringing out a 2023 one.
5: I do and I have it right in front of me have I actually you? got a print I, I got a printed down as funny as I got a print and again thanks to yourself for helping me support it it's, a, it's called the Irish Dresser and Folklore Calendar and basically it's photographs of dressers in people's homes and the stories they're the main lead image and then each month then there's a scattering of about 140 folklore dates so all Irish folklore dates dates things did little verses about the weather little verses about each month and um, they're available they're, um, they're available in Gaddy Dove down in, in, down in Cork it's only Cork Physical Centre uh, and but then you can get them online at the thedresserproject.ie the dresserproject.ie They're fifteen euros, which includes postage and packaging, and they are printed in Ireland. They're printed in Kerry now, so you have to choose. Okay, that. we'll, we'll allow that. We'll
3: allow that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all right. over the
5: country as well. So, so the right. so
3: right. The, e- the email again is that the, the the dresser project
5: to eu and, and, and you can order them and we
3: ship to you next day. Okay, well done, well done. Good luck with it. They're always they're they're gorgeous calendars and you put so much work into them. Pleasure is always to talk to you, Michael. Enjoy Halloween. I will do it, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you do the same. Thanks a million. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, folklorist, um, Michael Fortune, lovely, lovely man from uh, County Wexford, as I say, we regularly have him on during, uh, during the year and it, it's always so, he's it's just it's a fascinating guy. Somebody says on trick-or-treating, the owner of the house must give, give sweets or if not, they get a trick and sometimes that trick can be a good egging and nobody, but nobody wants that.
6: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Let me look at some of your thoughts and comments coming in. This is coming by email and Joe is wondering, is he on his own or are other people having the same problem? Now I know we've heard this is to do with trying to get in to see a GP physical access. This is somebody who has a GP now I know there's is an issue with people who move to an area trying to register with a GP and most GP practices are full, that's a completely separate issue but this is somebody who has a GP probably with the same GP practice for many, many years but since COVID it's a lot A lot of people are finding it hard to actually get an appointment to go in and sit in the office and sit across a desk from a doctor. And that's the dilemma Joe finds himself in. And he emails to say, Patricia, I had a serious enough motor car accident about five weeks ago. Now, fortunately, everybody involved walked away. I myself was the only one who had any physical injuries from the crash. Uh, Nothing broken, but I've got serious tendon Ligament and muscle damage. But it was all very traumatic when it happened, and particularly since when I realised there were three small boys in the other car. My problem is trying to get access to my GP. I tried, for example, to make an appointment last week, but it was only spoken to over the phone. I explained, I'm having difficulty sleeping at night both with pain but also just thinking about the accident and reliving the accident going over the accident uh, in my mind I was told to collect a prescription from my local chemist and I was given a prescription for sleeping tablets and for painkillers now I did so reluctantly but I really don't want to get addicted to either so I decided again to ring my GP yesterday asking please for an appointment for the very same uh, issues and problems I just need to talk to him I'm told now that I can't be seen until Thursday Wednesday of next week I think this is a disgrace, uh, and I want you to put it out over the radio today, please and my question to other listeners: are many other people having problem accessing and actually getting in to see? A GP and what do you have to do and what lengths do you have to go to for Joe to actually get in and wants to physically sit across from the desk and speak to his uh, doctor. If you have advice for uh, Joe, as I say, we, we, we do every now and again hear from listeners who get very frustrated about trying to get in to see their GP. And we've heard that, that they'll speak to somebody over the phone. And in, in a lot of cases that actual consultation is fine if you know you ring a doctor and a doctor will speak to you over the phone and they're straight away able to say x and y is going to sort you out or i can't give you anything for that so this is what you need to do you know, and, and, and I take it in the majority of cases that's, that it works out okay. It works out for both the patient and it works out for the doctor. But when you really want to get in to see a doctor, and I mean obviously if you need, if bloods need to be taken, I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Joe. You physically have to go in and in that case it's usually the practice nurse. But are others having problem actually getting in to get an appointment to get in to see their GP? Let us know 0818 103 103. We were speaking about Halloween tradition in the last hour and uh, hunting of the rain. got mentioned by Michael Fortune in in our chat, even though it's not to do with Halloween, but he was talking about it from a Christmas point of view. Michael and Bantry said that brought back memories to Michael. He remembers once he actually caught a wren for St. Stephen's day. He had a birdcage. He put the wren into the birdcage and then he went around from bar to bar singing. He said, I was delighted with myself because I actually managed to catch a wren. And I know the wren boys go out hunting the wren actually. I think you're the first, Michael, that I've heard of of somebody physically catching the bird putting it into a cage and then bringing it with him when he went around hunting the wren and singing in the pubs and no doubt you made did you make extra money Mike when you went out singing because you had a bird in the cage 0818 103 103 uh, then uh, earlier kind of staying on the whole thing of going from pub to pub and drinking I mentioned Frank one of our listeners sent in a very wordy email uh, bemoaning and he just he he's scratching his head he cannot understand why there's a new licensing laws been introduced in this country that will allow nightclubs to open until 6am in the morning and pubs will get extended opening hours they will open at half ten every morning and they will be allowed to remain open until 12.30am. A listener says, read the opening of the nightclubs to 6am. What a mad idea. I would suggest that those who are opposed to it need to write to their local TD and voice their opinions and their concerns. I'm telling you now, says this texter. If this law gets enacted next summer, I will never vote again for any party. Drink has ruined many a life and many a home in this country what are the government thinking of. And someone else says if, if and when this new law, this is Margaret if and when this new law uh, comes uh, in, uh, what is it going to do for rural pubs, small rural pubs surely it will close us down says Margaret obviously who is a, in a rural uh, pub. And then some calls in on this, Stephen says, Stephen is agreeing Stephen says I really think that this is a good idea what the government are working on At the end of the day, what they're trying to do is bring Ireland into the 21st century when it comes to our licensing laws. Look at what happens in other uh, countries. And remember, when these licensing laws will be introduced, it will be an option. Not every bar or club will be asked to remain open until 6am. It'll be their individual choice. Think about the tourists who will come to this country. At least if they want to stay out late, they're tourists, they're on their holidays, they might like to stay out longer, they will be able to do it. A little bit like when we go and visit visit their countries. They have more up-to-date licensing laws and pubs and bars and clubs and anyone who's been abroad will know that they open at longer hours. So we're just modernising it. And I know it's one of the things that Helen McEntee uh, spoke about. The, some of the licensing laws that are on our statute books are 200 years old. They were there since before the foundation of the state. So definitely we needed to modernise it and the whole idea is, is to put it into one piece of legislation. I think was, was she saying that there's 100 different pieces of legislation that govern the licensing laws. So it's to bring them all in together, uh, and of course, what we've spoken about, it's it's trying to uh, re-inject some finances, I suppose, into that uh, the, the late-night economy and that the late-night economy has kind of died over the years in the last 20 years. We've lost so many of our nightclubs and we don't really have a late-night economy and the government is thinking and industry's thinking is that there's money to be made in the late-night economy and that's what they're trying to uh, inject uh, some bit of life into the late-night economy and, of course, only time will tell if it's going to work or not. Tom in rathgormick feels it's like the government are looking to make more Money from drink, but they're not going to worry about the consequences and picking up on what Frank was, spo- was speaking about. When he was a DJ, he saw the effects of alcohol uh, late at night, uh, and and was, and the Guardi themselves, the Association of Guard Sergeants and Inspectors, they've already come out and said they're concerned about it. So the the idea is the government make the rules, but they they're not going to be there to to pick up the pieces of the consequences. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, and then I got this. Text in from a listener saying, Trish, can you believe that they've stopped the Christmas bonus for the working family payment? My God, the reason we get this is because we are in low paid jobs. Do the government not feel that we should be entitled to this bit of a bonus? Things seem to be getting worse. So I did a quick check and actually thank you to the listener who sent me on a link and it's to do with the announcement of this year's Christmas bonus and they're going to give the Christmas bonus out earlier this year and payments are expected to be made on the week starting the 5th of December which I'm assuming is uh, a Monday and the Christmas bonus similar to the Christmas bonus of previous uh, years will be 100% of your normal weekly payment to long term social welfare payment and the minimum payment set is at 20 euro however it says there are four groups excluded from the Christmas bonus and this listener is right they include family income supplement or working family payment. Now we've already discussed illness benefit as, well as a maternity benefit and we already discussed that the, the illness people on illness benefit never received the Christmas uh, bonus and the reason for it is they deem it a short term payment and I'm assuming it's the same for uh, maternity benefits. so for that reason they don't pay out the Christmas bonus but I'm now wondering uh, in previous years did people on a family income supplement are working family payment. Did they receive the Christmas bonus? So we need to we need to hear from somebody who is in receipt of working family family bonus and was last year and on previous years our family income supplement. Did you get the Christmas bonus in the past? And uh, if so, is it just this year they've decided to uh, exclude them? And I don't know. And I'll see if I can find out the reason for it because the, the only thing I can say to that listener, there isn't a name on it. If you are getting the working family payment, people getting the working family payment, You will get a one-off payment of €500 in November. The working family payment income limits has also been increased by €40 across all family sizes. But that's not kicking in until uh, next year. So they are giving you know these these additional one-off payments that are going to be made. I think it's on the 15th of November. There's a variety of different groups are are going to be getting that one-off payment. But I checked that list and that list does include the working family payment people on a working family payment so you will be getting €500 euro in November but I was to say I'm, on a, I, I can't, I'm trying to find out why you're excluded from the Christmas bonus and of course also in November living alone allowance they're getting an extra €200 euro people on disability and certain illness payments the illness payments being invalidity pension and blind pension they're also getting a €500 one off payment that's in uh, November as well and carers on care support grant will get a one-off payment of €500 and domiciliary carers uh, getting an increase uh, as well. Anyway, uh, well, I'll see if I can find out but in the meantime if anybody can let us know if you were on a working family payment in the past, did you receive the, the bonus, the Christmas bonus on other years and then because I don't know if it was the case that was never paid out at Christmas. So if anyone can let us know, please, please do. O eight one eight one oh three one oh at three. And uh, yesterday, remember we had the chat about the lack of outdoor staff in Cork County Council and how there's been a decrease in outdoor staff over the last, uh, tw- was it 12 years we saw? Big, big um, decrease in, in numbers. And of course, the knock on effect is there's less maintenance been done in our towns and villages. And everybody was saying, thank God for CE schemes and thank God for the volunteers who work in all of the Tidy Towns groups. And we have such wonderful volunteers who go out religiously every week picking up other people's litter and making areas nice and clean and tidy and they do some planting work as well and they really are, they are phenomenal, phenomenal uh, people. Well Councillor Paul Hayes on Tidy Towns Committee says, Patricia would you please wish good luck to all of the Tidy Towns Committees who are eagerly awaiting news of this year's winners from the awards ceremony in the RDS. Following on from your discussion with my council colleague yesterday on the massive reduction of outdoor council staff over recent years, much of this work is now being done by the voluntary groups and the tidy towns committees in particular, which to me, is quite unfair, says Councillor Paul Hayes. We are indebted to all those volunteers who work so selfishly in their communities to enhance and beautify our towns and villages. No matter what the results are today, on behalf of the committees, Councillor Paul Hayes says, I just want to say thank you. Live streaming of the award ceremony gets underway at 12 noon for anybody wishing to tune in online. I'll see if if the phone lines aren't too busy. I'll get John Paul to put up the stream uh, because (laughs) we'll certainly be flying the flag for Cork just to see how well we do here in Cork so best of luck to all of the Tidy Towns uh, committees 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your call C103 Jobs Tire Fisher and General Operative wanted for tyres and light servicing that's in Damanway call Martin at 087 212 5932 a taste panellist for dairy products is required You'll need to work four hours per week. There are two two-hour sessions. It's based at UCC. Full training will be provided, and you do need to have fluent English. You contact info at srlresearch.com to pick up an application form. Part-time worker wanted for a dairy farm in the Mallow area. Now, it may suit a student or a semi-retired person. 087 297 9018 and accounts assistant slash bookkeeper is wanting to join an established company in Mallow. You need to have five plus years experience. Email your CV to Karen.obrien at osborne.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Court today on C103.
6: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. Cmig.ie.
3: Martin McDonagh's new movie, The Banshees of Inish Earon, which only opened last Friday, is proving to be a massive hit, hit with both irish and uk audience and here at home it has already surpassed big box office hits like belfast brooklyn and the wind that shakes the barley in its opening weekend to chat about the movie i'm joined by one of its stars and that's the wonderful john kenny good morning to you john
8: Oh God, Patricia, how oh, are you you use the word spare now? That's a bit that's a bit too much. You, you know. you, you <laughs> s- if you blink, if you
3: blink, you'd miss. Yeah, no, that's not true. You are a star and you're in you're in the show. <laughs> did 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 you get a sense, John, when yeah. you were filming it, that this was a movie that was special and was going to be a big hit? Uh,
8: yeah, but I suppose I could be described as being a little bit biased because I'm awfully awfully, awfully um, what do I say I suppose I'm very pro at Martin McDonagh I love so many everything that he's done really you know I'm um, so bad so that I even I have the plays and I still read the plays I mean often you know they're my nighttime reading is, not, is I don't know many times I've read the clip of Inish Man because I just love the language in it I love the characters in it and the same with all his plays so the films are exactly the same so yeah, I mean, I would be biased and sort of say the very minute I read the I went, wow, yes, I can. And what I loved about the film was this film, as opposed to maybe other ones, is probably closer to the stage, any stage play. As opposed to the rest of the films, this is close to a, what
3: could have been a stage play, you know. Mm. And, and obviously, so, we're, we're not going to give uh, the ending uh, away, but it is yeah. uh, a story of a fallout between the yeah. friendship of uh, two men, and and the yeah. story of the of the fall of a friendship of two men is something that's not often featured in plays or movies.
8: No, not really. No, not at all. Not at all. And uh, it's beautifully done and very beautifully handled and. You know, I mean, the two men in question are the two well, the two characters in question, which is Cahal and Boric, which is uh, Brendan Gleeson and, and Colin Farrell. I mean, absolutely beautiful, and each to their own. Like the musician who is Brendan Gleeson's character, because Brendan is a musician and a brilliant musician, and um, he's a he's love for traditional music and, and music in general is amazing. You know. And uh, poor character, characters, well, just the casting is just amazing in it, you know. And of course, they've worked together in Bruges, and you know, they've all done stuff with Mark before a lot of stuff. And uh 'cause so there was a great energy and set, I think, really. Because even if someone yesterday in between, and they might be waiting between shoots and that change over cameras or whatever, like we might end up in a small little kind of a, a holding area where we call it a green room, but I wasn't, hmm. you know, it was out in the middle of nowhere, but. But a session might start up there when we're waiting around for cameras to be moved and Brendan would start playing a fiddle or some one of the young lads that was playing the musician. There was one in particular, was a brilliant channel stand dance, would just lash off into a bit of dancing and somebody else to be playing a box. There was a lot of musicians on set. Oh, so,
3: that sounds magical.
8: Oh, it was too magic because there was an energy even inside the dressing room. Kind of a sense of... Uh, just a, p- a pleasure in listening to people play music and a pleasure in watching people dance and everyone had a massive appreciation for it everyone got it everyone was singing enough to say an M-feet you know so there was a lovely energy on the set you know and I hope that maybe made its way from the from the, from the the holding area as you'd call it onto the set itself. Yeah. I think it did
3: because, because of course it, w- it was filmed on uh, inish and on on ackle island yeah, d- yeah. D- did you stay on the islands or how did that all work
8: yeah 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 uh, pretty much yeah, i was up there well i was only on set for about a month you know so but you were there all the time you know which was lovely you were in that environment going for a swim every day when you could, as off, you know, if you weren't, you didn't do it in the morning, in the evening, time, or whenever. And I remember we were filming into late September, October, and I remember still swimming in the sea in October, you know, it was great.
3: You got good weather for it, did you?
8: We did, we were so yeah. lucky, Now we had a few stormy, rocky days, all right, but overall it was brilliant. And uh, just to be part of that landscape as well, just to be, you know, just to be there, to be underneath those mountains and going in swimming in the Atlantic and it was really fantastic, like, it was a great sense of, um, you know, just being part of the whole place and, and you, were, you were in the living set, like, you know, this was the set. Yeah,
3: yeah. You know,
8: so it was brilliant, it was so
3: good. No, I haven't seen it yet, but just the clips I've seen, the scenery looks amazing.
8: Yeah, it is, it is stunning. It is absolutely breathtaking and even we went to some of the locations where I was not shooting and that I used for, um, for Colin's house, would uh, say, you know, in the by the sea which was an old uh, it was an old whaling station and was used by fishermen fisherman who used to go for the basking of some basking shots I think he fish for. and um, but the setting of it where to set down you have to climb this mountain and then you come to the top and then you look down and just looking onto this beautiful beach that's kind of carved out and it's horseshoe shaped and you would go right down into that again and the, the, the drama of the skies and the cliffs and you know, the clouds and the seas, everything. I mean, it was, like, I mean, it's not as if I'm not used to it. I mean, I am in a fair bit of time up the west of Ireland, but I think really on the film as well, which was brilliant for a, a film of such intensity, you say about the human spirit, that it, it, it was a huge amount of time, I think, and, and space left as well for to look at the environment from which these two men were coming from, you know? And I think that's quite beautiful. I think it's captured a lot of that. Like, it's, it's, it's equally as important to the film as some of the dialogue. It's when you, you cut and you see this beautiful scene of a rocky uh, field, we'll see, you know what I mean? Because my mm. grandparents came from the Aran Islands and uh, yes, I would have visited a lot like that.
3: So, uh, yeah, and, and I imagine, you know, from, from the American point of view, th- this is going to do wonders for tourism for, for the Aran Islands and for Achille.
8: Well, so we always think, but I suppose it does. We don't realize there was, is it for the
3: Blaskets and Yeah, yeah.
8: It's awful exposure. It's exposure you can't buy, like, and especially with someone like McDonough now, who has three billboards and an Oscar for that under his as well as every other film he's done, which has been highly named and, you know, up there. So, I am gosh, it's just amazing. And then, of course,
3: It's brilliant. Right, it it? You know. it really is. Yeah. Some, Somebody wants to know does that pub actually exist? They
8: built
3: it. Did they? pity yeah
8: well, and I think you know they could have found a little corner for it and just said there was a bit of history here one time and um,
3: because there's probably not a pub left like it on the island anymore yeah and it was
8: actually done it's a, it's a replica of maybe what was of a time past you know
3: and of course you uh, I'm assuming spent a lot of time in the bar because did, you, you the church, that the is that that's it oh, <laughs> Because you and and of course your 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 old sidekick uh, Pat Short Pat yes. is Pat is the barman, He's and barman, you're, yes. you you are the best friend, but you're on the other side of the bar, is oh, it? Oh yeah, well
8: I'm just a fella that's in there every day at uh, ten o'clock in the morning or wow. six, you know, and he doesn't drink. He just sits. I I could spend the day looking over a pint, like you know,
0: <laughs> one of these fellas. But um, yeah, it's nice because myself and Pat's relationship is like we're nearly joined at the hip, like it's yeah. Like, yeah
3: That, yeah. It's
8: awfully
3: unsettling to the uh, status quo the community, like the you know, equilibrium of everything that's going on around. You know? Yeah, everyone, because I've heard both Colin and, and Brendan, they've done so much press for this movie, both talked about that, that even though it's their friendship is falling asunder, the yeah. ripple effects, and, and that would be felt in a small community. somebody who, who did, did go on to see it says, uh, you've got to mention the animals in the movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's, yes, the, yes. There, there's a donkey and there's a dog, isn't it? yes. yes. And they uh, were yes. superb by all accounts. Well, absolutely. It's amazing, yeah, and no trickery. No cat. These were just
8: smart animals who could do stuff and were trained, you know, and yeah. so they knew how to handle them, you know. Yeah. And uh, it is pretty amazing and uh, they are brilliant and of course columns character, his affinity with these animals, He's, to him is it's just very normal because he just loves animals. There was one scene in it I'm not sure whether it stayed in the, in the film or not but I think I saw a still of it at one stage when we were in the middle of production and for me it just looked for all the world like a nativity scene yeah. because I think there was a cow and there was a donkey and I think there was another animal in it and there was a candle lighting and I think Colin was in it, and I just remember just seeing it. just—it was a steal or something of um, somebody had taken. And I said, but "That could be on a Christmas card." Yeah, yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it evoked this kind of thing as well. This man with this, this man with the animals and the thing with the animals and himself and his compassion and his love for these animals. I mean, it was the final straw when his donkey was killed, although accidentally in some ways by what happened. Um, with um, whatever I don't think
3: of away too <laughs> Yeah, no, but right now, we we won't, we won't go down that route. And now there's yeah. talks of um, Oscar uh, nominations for for the movie. Do you, do you think yeah. it will get the nod for the Oscars?
8: Good, I mean, I'm very bad. I'm not a film buff at all. all right. I thought that would be more, you know, some people are very tuned into it. But all I can say is just look for my own. I mean, I just thought the costumes in the film were, if you were to look at the landscape and then look at the costumes it's as if the costumes were kind of born out of the landscape in colour and everything else the reflection of the landscape on the costumes is amazing I thought that was amazing cinematography is amazing I mean there's a lot of really good performances in this I mean even Sheila Shetton, who plays the Banshee, she small little part but by God she's just absolutely magic in it yeah and, it's,
3: get, and it's getting fantastic reviews as you say you went to, yeah. Lond- you went to one of the premiers, did you?
8: I didn't go to a Premier because yeah. I felt a little bit, um, I don't know, I felt, was well, I, I remember thinking I have to go to Dublin for first, and I was only after coming back from travelling away, I'd been away for a couple of weeks, and I thought of getting home on a, on a Friday night late, and or Thursday night late, and then going to Dublin for, I, I said, you know, I'm not sure, and, and I said, look, I'd be kind of maybe overwhelmed by the whole thing, this sounds a bit crazy, so... I kind of didn't
3: go, and I went the following week when it came out in general. So oh. I went to see it at half five inside Limerick. I had my own little premiere. Ah, that's good. And and you'll go back again because it, it does I seem to be one of those movies that you will go, go back to oh, again. Yeah, I really want to go back. And again c- and Kamir outside yeah. of making movies that hopefully yeah. will go all the way to to the Oscars. Yeah. Um, your tales of the unexpected. Are you still are you travelling with that? I am actually yeah, doing a bit of a bit much time
8: because we're busy doing other stuff and uh, but I am doing a few gigs now I'm down in Shneen for the International Storytelling Festival uh, week after next and then after that I go to Kilmaik as well the Friars' Day with us and I'm going to Castle Barrett and then also Friars' Day is my nearest gig around locally and when
3: is that which I'm looking forward to Friars' Gate is on the I think it's the of, uh, Friday, I, yeah. I've just yeah, I've just Friday the it's Friday, Friday the and and, the, and the, ta- the the tales of the unexpected. Th- yeah. That's a, that's a memoir, isn't it, of sorts? He, it kind of yeah happened by accident, and I'm still in the process of
8: writing it because it's ongoing in a sense that like even now we are finished off.
3: to do with you there's definitely going to be a lot of humour not, not a little bit of uh, humour well, yeah. listen we we, we we I may have you back on again and, and we'll talk about Tales of the Unexpected yeah, I think yeah, in, in more in yeah. more detail but in the meantime John as always it's a pleasure yeah, it's to have you on the programme Keeps it, and by the way we watched you yeah. in, in uh, Keys uh, Keys, of your, Keys of My Life or Keys of Your Life um, yeah, yeah, did, right, yeah. did, did, did you love doing that? Well I liked um, yeah it was nice because I'd never I'd
8: known uh, Brendan Court yeah, being in his company for um, for the day filming work, Jesus it was lovely actually. You know, he's a lovely, still at 60 year old, so good energy.
3: Yeah, and he really he really yeah. seems to connect with whoever he is you know, bringing around to, to all of the different houses and uh, oh, yeah. it almost feels like you are watching two friends connecting. Whatever, whatever Brendan Courtney has, it's a great, great uh, oh, skill yeah. and he's so uh, empathetic and compassionate and he just brings out the best in, in everyone because that's, that's an emotional journey to go on. Oh, it is. It was for me. I didn't realise until I got back to the family place. Um, yeah. I must admit because it's gone up for sale
4: this year and, uh, it's just that journey of my life that I spent in it. And even since COVID, I've written a lot of stuff about the house, the
8: shop, and growing up and that, you know, and stuff about my brother and my mum. And and uh, yeah, and it's, it's like the end of a time now. And people say, oh, why don't you hold on to it? My God, like, you know, you just now when you're. It's just kind of a. I just. It, Looking after what you have in life, as yeah. I guess and, wants and, that, and I holding, on, them to it, yeah. or, holding on to it, holding on to
3: it for what reason is that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you have to yeah. set You do, things, you, do. you do, you do. But if you can, if you can, maybe that's why the writing
8: is healthy as well. Just to, to move on because I've been able to write down a lot of lovely stories and memories all about the house and. And poetry and stuff and that's helping me you know well, but well done. that was
3: emotional you know well done we will speak again in the meantime thank yeah, you for that and job. look after yeah. yourself thanks I will. million every, tell
8: everyone go out and enjoy The Banshees okay. <laughs> don't take it too seriously either there's, there, there's, you can
3: take it anywhere you want to, I think
8: that's the type of movie it is take care bye 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 thanks for having
3: that's, me That's bye. our pleasure the wonderful John uh, Kenny who is one of the stars of uh, Martin McDonagh's The Banshees of Aenis and actually John Paul just tells me that our movie review today with Mark Malone. Mark is actually going to be reviewing He Went Along to See the Banshees of Innish and so we will get the take on that movie from uh, Mark in the next hour on the programme. And I'm also told that emergency services are dealing with a two-vehicle collision at Marsh Road in Skibbereen and the road is currently closed and there are diversions in place. So that's the Marsh Road in Skibbereen, the road currently closed. 0818 103
2: 103. Court Today on C-103.
6: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk.
3: Now the Guinness Jazz Festival kicks off tonight along with the headline venues. The Big Fringe is also a festival highlight with indoor and outdoor performances from brass bands. There's the Big Jazz Bus and there's also going to be events in Kinsale. Our reporter Maraid Tuig went out and about and has been speaking to various sectors involved in this year's Cork Jazz ahead of the Big Weekend.
9: I'm Fiona Collins I'm chair of the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival for 2022 So Fiona we're we're getting right into the heart of it now how excited Oh it's kicked off now already and I'm very excited to get everyone back into Cork and swinging for the Jazz Festival weekend it's great to have it back in Cork so looking forward to it. Um, launching tonight here with the photography exhibition. We have school visits in the morning, which is always a really exciting aspect for me. And then just all our bands in and around over the weekend. As you know, we have 72 venues. We're just so delighted to have that many venues involved and just, it's so lovely to welcome people into Cork for the jazz for me they come into, cor- into Cork for jazz but they leave with the Cork experience and I just love the fact they get to see the city such a vibrant time for them over the weekend and it's just wonderful to see that and there's something here for everyone I mean, there's the big jazz bus as well isn't there absolutely we have an open top bus going around the city centre from tomorrow evening and then Saturday and Sunday so it's really great fun, last year they were riffing with one band on the bus and another band outside Bron Thomas, it just adds to the the atmosphere over the weekend and we're so thrilled to have it it's fabulous and it's like maybe for people who, who aren't overly familiar with the jazz it's not like there's something there for everyone to enjoy even if you're not a jazz fan oh literally every age category possible and, and that's one of the things I love about the festival you can get out you experience it you'll come across a band on in the middle of Patrick Street just doing their thing whether you're in doing your shopping or you're out for the day you'll come across something and it's all kinds of jazz the umbrella of jazz is such a wide um, spectrum. Um, and we have a sample of that all over the weekend so we're thrilled to bits. And Atisha touched it in his speech last year. There might have been a few restrictions around it. This year it's just an open book. So it's open exciting. book and it's lovely to see it back again and it's it's great for the hotels and the pubs and everyone over the weekend, all the different businesses that we have so many visitors in. The fact it raises about twenty million in, in um in for the economy over the weekend, which is just phenomenal. There really isn't another weekend out of it and to be a part of that is just a really lovely experience. Lord Mayor, we're just uh, at the launch of the the Guinness Cork
2: Jazz Festival. Uh, Looking forward to another bumper year. I think it's going to be even better than before because of the gap uh, for the last few years we are really excited for this weekend and I don't think the weather is going to impact us at all and I know people are going to travel far and wide and they'll put their stamp on Cork and of course Cork is unique I don't think any other city hosts something as unique as the Jazz Festival and make it successful year in year out And uh, I loved during your speech you were
9: talking about
2: the different levels of jazzers and so there's kind of here for everyone to look forward to. That's the whole thing, from the littlest one up to the oldest one. It's it's terrific, and I've seen them and watched them, and it always amuses me and thrills me how people can enjoy, no matter what background they have or how old they are. It's a unifying festival, and I think that's wonderful.
4: (laughs)
10: roger russell general manager of the metropole hotel it all started here back in 1978 there was a cancellation and the guys who were here
8: working at the hotel were trying to figure out "Well, gosh what are we going to do we have all these bedrooms to to sell and they came up with the idea for the jazz festival and it's you know it's gone from strength to strength it's a hugely
10: popular uh, festival within cork but not just in cork but ireland and, and now internationally you know so brilliant festival we love it
9: Helen Murphy, Business and Communications Manager with Cork Business Association. Having festivals like this that are known around the world, what kind of a boost does that bring to Cork? In an economic sense, it brings a boost of about 20 million euro to the economy just for this weekend alone.
2: And what would you say to people who are coming in to enjoy the festival? You know, I suppose from a mix of a safety message, but also, I suppose, when you are going to the hospitality businesses, just to be patient.
9: Precisely. You know, we've got to learn to be kind and just to make sure that uh, we realise that a lot of these businesses are still recovering from the pandemic, they are still perhaps uh, not quite as well staffed as they might like to be and so a bit of patience, a bit of good humour goes an awful long way in uh, in these types of circumstances and yes, it will be busy, we hope it will be busy, we know it will be busy it's definitely going to be packed but you know, that's part of the fun of the jazz.
10: Barry Holland, Communications Manager at Cork Airport. The weekend is going to be very busy at Cork Airport, particularly from an inbound perspective. And yet again, another symbol of the recovery.
2: And in terms of advice for people who are flying out of the airport this weekend, if it is going to be that much
1: busier, what would you say to them?
10: We'd recommend that passengers intending to travel over the course of the weekend arrive two hours before their flight is due to depart. We'd also recommend that if they are checking a bag that they allow additional time for that. We're going to have jazz bands playing in the terminal building on Friday, Saturday and Sunday for the arriving passengers. So on Friday, we'll have the Swing Bandits playing here in the morning. On Saturday, we will have the Lamarata Jazz Band from the Netherlands. And on Sunday, we'll have the Blarney Brass and League Band.
3: And our thanks to Marej Tuig, our news reporter. And for everybody going jazzing, enjoy.
6: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Today is the final day for the C103's Free Fuel Friday. We Every Friday, uh, right throughout this, the month of October, we've been giving away 100 euro fuel uh, vouchers today. Your last chance to grab one of them. We've got a star in the car. You've got to identify who this is. You know, making TV
5: shows is, is great fun, but it's, it's very much kind of a team thing.
3: Uh, making TV shows is great fun who is that well known uh, TV presenter if you know the answer I need you now please to start texting or you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. I need you to name the person and then please include your name and address and by doing that we'll leave it open for about maybe 10 minutes and then we will select one lucky listener who will win for themselves a 100 euro voucher on the C103 free fuel friday with east cork oil serving cork city and county and across munster and if you want to check out the locations you can your local oil ie always local who is this
5: you know making tv shows is is great fun but it's, it's very much kind of a team thing
3: Okay, I get texting and WhatsApping on that. And while we are awaiting today's winner, let me go to some of your other commentary coming into the programme. An email into Patricia at c103.ie from J in Donerel who sends on photographs to back up the story. So, hi Patricia, I hope you can highlight this as it's been an ongoing issue now for well over a week. There's already been an accident due to this road flooding. The flood is at Lisnagroff in Don. Now it's right at the bend on the road and therefore traffic have to cross to the other side of the road in order to avoid passing through the flood. I hope that this can be sorted before the long weekend as it is extremely dangerous. I'm sending you in photographs that were taken uh, just this morning. And it really is, it is literally on a bend in the road outside of uh, Donneril and it is completely uh, flooded. I don't know the reason for it. Is it an area that traditionally always flooded? floods? Is it blocked drains? Now I'm hoping and assuming somebody in the Donerail area has notified the council to let them know about it because we've had a lot of rain this week there's still a lot of rain uh, forecast and there's some bright spells but there certainly is rain forecasted and uh, that was emailed in earlier I take it John Paul has, has uh, sent it on uh, to the council but we always say to people contact your, they, your local council uh, or a local or a councillor uh, for your area and let them know because that really the fact that Jason says there's already been uh, an accident on that road this week and saying it's because of the flooding and you can see why it is literally just a lock of water going right across the road and you can understand why somebody has to go to the other side of the road just to try to avoid the steepest part of that particular flooding thank you for that email to Patricia at c103.ie and Dolly has been on to us Dolly drives a Toyota Starlet car which she absolutely loves they're not manufacturing them any, anymore they're gone but she's looking for some parts particular parts for her Toyota Starlet and the fact they're not manufacturing it she can't just go to Toyota and buy the parts new so she's wondering does anybody know of maybe a Toyota club or has anybody else got an old Toyota and if so where do you go when parts break down and you need to get replacement parts Uh, if there is anyone that can uh, advise us so we can pass the advice on to Dolly please give us a call that's a Toyota Starlet car looking for parts 0818 103, 103. now I mentioned doctors GP practices earlier on and this was with regard to Joe uh, one of our listeners who unfortunately was in a bit of a a car accident now luckily everybody's okay but he's got a lot of kind of soft tissue and ligament uh, damage and he just really wants to get in to see a GP and sit and chat with the GP and I think probably his bigger problem is the psychological effect of this crash because he keeps reliving the crash in his mind to the point that he reckons it's stopping him having a good night's sleep Uh, because it was after the crash he realised there was three small children in the other car and you know you go through what could have been thankfully it wasn't but you know that's playing on Joe's mind and when he contacted the doctor last week it was just a prescription for sleeping tablets and painkillers and okay painkillers fine but he's not that happy about the sleeping tablets he got on to the doctor again this week and he's been told Thursday of next week is the earliest that he can get in to uh, see a doctor so he's thinking it's the whole of the bank holiday weekend to get over and most of next week before he can get to see a doctor and he's wondering: Is it just his own GP practice? Are other people having problems when they're trying to physically go in and see a doctor? People are saying that you can get a doctor and they speak you over the phone, but that's not the same as actually going into the uh, surgery. Somebody feels that doctors just don't seem to care anymore, and I find that hard to believe. GPs are great; it's just their workload. I, I, I think this listener also agrees with Joe. Says it is impossible to get a physical appointment to go into a GP practice. I feel very sorry for Joe. Says this texture, uh, especially that he was given sleeping tablets. A number of years ago, I was also prescribed sleeping tablets, and I have to say, I found it very difficult to come off the sleeping tablets sleeping tablets are great for a short period of time but you can very quickly and easily get addicted uh, to them Uh, so yeah so Joe isn't on his own I think it's basically and a number of other people are saying the same thing finding it really hard to get an appointment and then John this is to do with I suppose the whole health service says Patricia the health service is on a point of collapse we have 900 consultant vacancies we have 500 non-consultant hospital doctors Doctors. They're the junior doctors emigrating every year out of this country. We're also hearing that of the new graduate nurses, 80% of them are considering leaving. On top of that, we have 50,000 plus Ukrainian refugees arriving on our shores and they are now being shoved into what is a broken system. This, of course, says John, is not the fault of the Ukrainian uh, refugees. We have a health system that really does need an overhaul. Thank you for that, to 20818103. 103. And also can I say thank you to a number of people uh, when the listener just realised they're obviously on the working family payment for the first time and it's been announced when the Christmas bonus is to be paid out this year to people who are entitled to the Christmas bonus on social welfare and this listener discovered that those on the working family payment will not be getting the Christmas bonus and I was wondering is that a change for this year or has it happened in the past and a number of people were on to say no uh, Patricia the working family payment Never got the Christmas bonus, nor did we get the double payment that was paid out last week. The only thing I can say for the working family, for people who are on that working family payment, is you are going to get a one-off payment of €500, and that gets paid in the middle of November, if that brings a little bit of comfort uh, to people on that working family payment. And then somebody else was on when they heard me talk about Christmas bonus and says, Christmas bonus, What is that all about? I worked all my life. I never, ever got a Christmas bonus. Why should people already living on a social welfare payment get a Christmas bonus? What an utter joke. What do I get? Oh, yes, I get to clean toilets in an office all day and we never get a Christmas uh, bonus. But for those that are on the working family payment. It means they're in a low income job and that's why they feel they're entitled to a Christmas bonus. And I did read a report that's out from the It's from the Economic and Social Research Institute, the ESRI, that is showing that a third of people below the poverty line last year were people who were actually in work. And wait for this: when you dig down further into the results of this study, uh, many of them also had a third-level degree, so they had the education. Because we're always told the pathway out of poverty and the, the pathway to better yourself for employment opportunities is to get educated. So we've educated people out at work and a third of them are living below the poverty line lone parents yet again another study showing lone parents and part time workers are particularly at risk of falling on hard times people who rent also face a much higher risk of poverty than home owners and of course that very much ties in with the fact that private rents in the last 10 years have gone up by 84% so they've nearly doubled in the last 10 years so this study that's out from the ESRI has revealed the scale of deprivation and poverty in what is modern Ireland. They say there are 625,000 people. That's nearly three quarters of a million people who are below the poverty line last year. And when you dig into those figures 220,000 of those were people at work. And for how long has Father Sean Healy been on this programme from Social Justice Ireland talking about the working poor? One of the first to coin that phrase, the working uh, poor. And the figures rose substantially for people working poor, those that have housing costs when you factor them in. The study found that young people and workers on low income were now under the most pressure as rents are soaring. Low mortgage rates over the last decade, that has helped in some way to shield people who own their own homes from the rising housing costs. However, we now know that we here in Ireland we're now entering a new era of rising interest rates and wasn't it only yesterday that the European Central Bank uh, imposed the third increase and that's the third increase since July of this year. So the ESRI found that lone parents and those on rental supports are much more likely to be below the poverty line while going out to work every day. Most working poor households rely on part-time are they're relying on minimum wage jobs such as cleaning, which is one of our listeners pointing it out there, manufacturing or in food preparation. And that's despite the majority over 50% of working poor households having somebody with a third level degree. So that's a huge number of families have somebody who went to the expense of getting a third level degree and they are now still classed as the working poor. Uh, An economist with the ESRI, uh, Paul Redmond, uh, one of the report's office, says that such in-work poverty is really an area of concern and he he said it's linked to lower well-being and lower social exclusion. Ireland's in work poverty rate is low though compared with other uh, countries but we still have it and the bulk of the working poor are private renters that's 34% 27% do own their own houses outright but they're still living in poverty and some 22% are on rental supports private renters who do not qualify for assistance they were up to four times as likely as homeowners to fall into poverty last year and obviously it's the housing costs when you take those into account. And what I didn't know was that most poverty and inequality measures, for whatever reason, don't factor in housing uh, costs. And I don't know what the reason for that is. So they say addressing the challenges of housing affordability, which has been highlighted obviously in this report, is going to require a sustained increase in supply, particularly the supply of social and cost rental Housing. The study has shown rising unofficial poverty rates also for people with a disability because part of the study showed that more than two thirds of the 697,000 people who considered themselves materially deprived last year and that was there's a list of 11 essentials and if you're unable to afford two or more of those then you are deemed materially uh, deprived they all had incomes just slightly above the poverty line but almost half lived in a household uh, with someone reported having a disability so there's really a lot of detail in that ESRI uh, study but a lot of it very worrying but it once again is pointing to one of the biggest biggest problems in this country is Housing and the cost of housing and the affordability of housing and how we need the supply to increase and to increase substantially. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our uh, WhatsApp as well to 103, 103 and you can stop texting us on our Free Fuel Friday.
5: You know, making TV shows is, is great fun, but it's, it's very much kind of a team thing.
3: Now, a huge amount of incorrect uh, answers to this. A lot of people thought it was Graham Norton. Others thought it was Richard Maydole. Uh, some said it was Alan Carr, but it wasn't. And on the phone line is Charlotte Fallon of St Patrick's Place in Canteirk. Uh, good afternoon, to you, Charlotte. Hi, hey, Christian. How are you? I'm very well. Who is that? Who was the star uh, in the car? Jimmy Carr. It's Jimmy Carr. Somebody thought it was Alan Carr. Does sound a little bit like Graham Norton as well, but it is Jimmy Carr. Uh, do you know what that means? I win. You win. You've won a €100 Euro fuel voucher from Brilliant. East Cork Oil. Up to you how you spend it. Do you have a car?
7: I have a car, yeah. Do
3: you have a car? Do you fill it up a lot? Uh,
7: yeah, I work for St
3: Joseph, so I do a lot of driving. Ah, are you are you based out in Charleville?
7: Uh, I go to different houses, but oh. um, I'm going to drum colour her uh, a lot now at the
3: moment. Okay, so, so you're you're driving around a lot uh, then. Yeah. So I take it the €100 Euro will be going straight into the tank of the car? Yeah, definitely. So, well, congratulations <laughs> to you. Thank you. Uh, Charlotte, well done. And, and have you are you up to anything for the bank holiday weekend? Uh,
7: my partner actually has some family over, um, Catherine, Hannah and the kids from Birmingham so we're just going to go on a family day to the Little Wrestles today
3: oh fantastic enjoy have fun thank Uh, you congratulations Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Charlotte Fallon of uh, St. Patrick's Place in uh, Cantor uh, correctly identifying that it was Jimmy uh, Carr. Uh, We continue on this the final day of our Free Fuel uh, Friday and we'll be passing on the baton to Nick Richards this afternoon giving you more ways to win. Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations see youroilcompany.ie always local only on C103. The C103
2: free Cork Diary.
6: With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at CorkCoco.ie Today,
3: by the way, final day to enter your scarecrow in the annual LEP Scarecrow Festival. Uh, Registration is free and there is a top prize of €200. Check out the Facebook page, LEP Scarecrow Festival. And if you're looking for something to do with the children over the midterm break, I suggest going to LEP. It really is such a fantastic event and the People in the area really get involved. Well done to everybody. Clonakilty Charity Ball, that'll be held in Dunmore House Hotel in Clon. Now it's on Saturday the 19th of November with proceeds going to Clonakilty Playground Fund. The reason we're mentioning it now is tickets are on sale through promo ticks, are also available at clonakilty.ie forward slash events. Part of the Donnerell Saura Festival today, this evening at 8 o'clock, the Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donnerell, there will be an evening with The Supernatural Brother. You must be seen to be believed, mind-reading, spirit contact, supernatural feats and great crack. Tickets are €15 uh, Euro and available from Sinead 085 8247193. Kayleigh set dancing in the Marion Hall in Hassig tonight at half nine with music by Michael Sexton, admission €10. Euro. Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex tonight, 8.15. And Kildallery Bingo will be held in the newly Innovated old door in the creamy yard tonight. Doors open at 7, eyes down at 8.
2: Court today on C103.
6: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIg.ie. There's
3: still a lot of commentary coming in about the new licensing uh, laws that the cabinet we're talking about this week and have been proposed for next uh, year. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, uh, people that will be in nightclubs until 6am in the morning it's easy to know they don't have any responsibilities they don't have things like rent they don't have things like electricity heating etc and definitely they're not living on 208 euro a week that's for sure many of them have too much money and I've also seen they're giving out a double Susie grant to the students in December what a mighty Christmas the students will have uh, with the pubs and clubs they will be in their element says a uh, texter and somebody else says this is Martin in Patricia. These new opening hours for pubs, they will be only trouble because of people drinking later and then you have the nightclubs. My God, Patricia, we will have fighting and arguing, people walking around falling all over the place. Parents at home, anxiously waiting for their sons and daughters to come home safely. Are the government gone mad or what? We already know that Ireland is a nation of very heavy drinkers and these new licensing laws will make things even worse. What are the government thinking of, so says Martin in Formoy. And then with a the much more balanced view, Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, High. The proposed sale of alcohol bill, which was published earlier this week, is designed to streamline multiple pieces of legislation that are going back over a century and I'll stop you there, Michael. Some of them are going back over two centuries. Some of, them, some of the laws on the statute book are 200 years old. Anyway, back to Michael's commentary. The bill runs to over 500 pages approximately and it's a major piece of legislation and it will have impacts on the licensing trade as well as the good things. Remember, it is only a proposal stage at this stage. I don't know where people get the idea that pubs are going to be open until dawn. Have no doubt these proposals will be adjusted quite considerably I have no doubt. So people just need to be patient. People just need to wait. There will be a lot of developments between now and next summer when the new sale of alcohol bill will be enacted. And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, Michael. Let me go from Michael in Castletown Bear to Michael in Glanmire. Good afternoon, Michael in Glanmire. (laughs)
8: <laughs> Hi, how are
11: you? Oh, I'm
3: very good. You're welcome. I'm, no. I'm,
11: I'm, I'm sort of laughing at the innocence of some people who would talk we talking this morning. I haven't heard it a lot, but anyway. Oh. In the seventies
3: Yeah.
11: We never went home on the weekend but are going. It sub in so Cork opened at eleven at night. And we often went straight to Mass at seven o'clock at Saint Mary's because they're told to happen a six. So you walk across the bridge and stay at the St Mary's <laughs> you're have to... The people from the carousel got to best before they went home to go to bed.
3: Okay, it o- so, it, o- it opened at 11 p.m. So it opened correct. after so, the pub, after the pubs closed.
11: Like we used to parties that time, uh, I was doing a contest at the time, and the buses coming off them wouldn't go anywhere else for the carousel because we'd have our mean we'd have drinks, and we go. Because there was a disco there. There was a fabulous restaurant, there. Uh, well it was you, a guy did chicken suppers and all that type of thing. So you could eat until six o'clock as well as drink until six o'clock. And um music played all night and they called they called home time at about um usually about quarter seven.
3: And the bar was the bar open all night? All night.
11: And I, uh, a, I don't know what to a special exemption card, but anyone in Cork that buys the one in the Carousel Club, they were living a very quiet life. That lady this morning said she wouldn't vote any more. I was laughing at her. Yeah. She, she obviously is very either young or she never she never went into a pub and the,
3: that oh, time. Okay, where where was the Carousel
11: Club? Up in the was up across from the um, the old Juries on the Western Road. Oh, down right, in yeah, the sideline, yeah, and. Um, so we all got to know the people, the bouncers and the people who owned it. We all became great friends over the years. But like every, I mean, every professional at that time, they used to do law or accounting. So after all these exams, they all ended up in there.
3: And what night, now that wasn't seven nights a week.
11: Oh, well, I, well no, we only went the weekends Yeah, it was Friday, Friday and Saturday, Saturday. Okay. yeah. And that's but what I bit... don't know, I could have been Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, I know oh. it was closed a couple of nights. But see, you had, say if you were working in a pub, and I remember meeting people who worked in pubs. Yeah. And they were off on a Monday and a Tuesday. They had no place to go, so that was where they used to go. Especially, I mean, that time, you know, there was an audience for for, for late-night drinking or late-night entertainment. Discos, I mean. Yeah. I mean, you dance away after the night where you were too busy to dance away Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there was... Uh, I mean, I, I can't answer that question was I was never in there on a Monday. <laughs> but I was often... I was often there on the Friday, Saturday. And if there was a Munster final or a match, we'd all end up in there. Yeah, because the,
3: they're, they're, they're talking about trying to rejuvenate the late-night economy. I mean, that was exactly what it was. That was a late-night economy. That and we, there
11: was never—I do- never saw the slightest bit of trouble. I never yeah. saw anything. There were—I uh, mean, all all types of life were there. There was like the professionals were there, and the working men were there, and women. And I mean, basically, it was uh, exactly the same place you would meet today if we were all social
3: Yeah, that. And, yeah, because that was going to be my next question. Was Because everyone is worried about this anti-social behaviour. Everybody falling around, drunk around the, the streets. But you reckon it didn't happen? People drank well, what they no, were no, able no, to no, drink. No, well,
11: well, people think these things ever happened When I was going home from college when I was 19, I got battered one night, going down a lane, and half of Grand Corridor, and we were being kicked around the place, especially of college. I swear that, that that was around about 1974. Yeah. And, but that time, I don't ever remember schmazels or fights in the in, in the carousel, Yeah. Um, and no, And, of course, the eye office, and looking today, you wouldn't see as many skirmishes then as you would today. I don't know. I think that's a combination
3: of drugs, maybe. I yeah. Drugs. I one hundred percent think that's the. I was the, the difference between the seventies and today. There's drugs in the mix that wouldn't have been there in, in the seventies. People got drunk, and if they got too drunk, they fell down, and they were found in a corner somewhere. I, down, I, I, I remember on. one night
11: coming out to Carousel and we were stopped. <laughs> we were stopped by the guard going down the North Main Street, and a well-known guard who played football for Cork. I recognised him, and I said, oh, i know you, uh, ex?" Uh, good to see you. You say where are you going? I said, I well, won't believe i ever got to Mass in berries. <laughs> You're coming from the
3: carousel, so he <laughs> And of course, they have the, those were the days where, where if you didn't get ma- the early Mass, you'd, your mother had turfed you out of the bed and you'd have to get up for oh, Mass, you, mass you, later you, on. You came
11: over and you, and you left the you table and got Mass.
3: So. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and people genuinely went in and went to Mass. They were what they did? were much much more innocent did? times, Michael. Listen, thank oh, you for that. Good memories. Good, good fun, memories. Good, good fun. fun. Are you going, yes, are you going jazzing at the weekend?
11: I'm Uh, At my age now, I'll go in and have a look
3: around rather than getting involved. Go in and enjoy. Thanks for that, Michael. Thanks, bye-bye. Michael in Glenmires. Anybody else remember the Carousel Club back in the 70s? So they were rocking until 7am in the morning, even an hour more than what the new proposals are. And just a couple of quick uh, texts in just to finish off. This is coming in uh, with regard to Joe who's trying to get into his doctor and can't get an appointment until next week. Who Bless his heart had a bit of a smash-up in the Everybody okay, but just it's the it's the, it's the the trauma of, of it all. Anna says, Patricia, I'm just tuned in now and listening about Joe and the stress following his car accident and his delay. We're trying to get into his doctor. My suggestion, said Anna to Joe, would be tell him to go into a pharmacist. They're really good at offering advice on alternative remedies for stress and traumatic events. Also, any good health food shop like our own Annelise Trussell? goodness me every week Anna offers such fantastic advice from the health hub in Ballancolic they also would be able to suggest some remedies for Joe's situation particularly while he's waiting to get in to see the GP next Thursday I wish him well said Anna and somebody else says, I feel so sorry for Joe regarding trying to get into a talk to a GP following that car accident it actually kind of sounds like an emergency as it sounds a bit like Joe was suffering from post traumatic stress disorder I really think the GPs need to start prioritising their workload. As it appears to me, says this listener, that very healthy people, especially children, the ones that have their free GP visit cards, are the ones that be seen, seem to be taking up all the appointments in this listener's particular GP practice. 0818 103 103. And Eugene from Newmarket has advice for Dolly. You remember our Dolly contacted us earlier. Bless her heart, she drives a Toyota Starlet, and they don't make them anymore. And she loves her Toyota Starlet and she's looking for parts. And she was wondering if anybody could point her in the direction. Was there a club or something like a Toyota club or a Toyota Starlet club? Where could she get the parts that she needs? Well, Eugene uh, from Newmarket, thanks, Eugene, says eBay is a potential source for Dolly. Also says, I don't know if it is the case with Starlets, but for some cars, there are Facebook groups of people who own and like a particular type of car might be worth checking that out. Thirdly, says Eugene, starlets are now of an age where they're part of the vintage car scene. I didn't know that. So it might be worth, Dolly, having a chat with a local vintage car club. Also, says Eugene, social media posts might help, i.e. if the details of the car and the actual car parts that were looked at were, say, put up on Twitter or up on Instagram or up on uh, Facebook. Somebody might just spot it and might be able to help. Great advice there. Thank you for that, Uh, Eugene from Newmarket, by text to 0862-103-103. Cork Today on C103.
2: With
6: Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G dot I-E.
3: This is the Cork Today replay on C103 and Mark Malone our movie reviewer joining us with some suggestions for movies this weekend good afternoon to you Mark hi Patricia now earlier I don't know if you heard him. we had John Kenny on who uh, plays one of the I said stars he said one of the very small stars well both Don't Believe
10: yeah, It Was yeah. Really Short great well. to see them back on screen
3: yeah. together The Banshees of Inish and you went along to see it and you also went along to see the the School for Good and Evil let me just take a trailer from The Banshees of Inish Earing
11: do you know what you used to be? No, what did I used to be?
3: Nice. And now, do you know what you are? Not nice.
4: From writer-director Martin McDonough.
1: You can't just all of a sudden stop being friends with a fella. Why can't I? Because it isn't nice.
6: Comes a diabolical tale of a friendship's end. <gasps> the Banshees of Inna Sharon.
3: Why aren't you talking to Pauling
10: That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? I mean? No, but it's not very nice either, is it?
3: That's not very nice. I'm straight away feeling sorry for for Colin Farrell. And I think everybody knows the storyline. These are two... I, I don't know if you say lifelong friends because there is an age gap between them. Uh, there is, but
10: that doesn't really matter, I don't okay. think. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's set on a very, very small island where everybody basically knows each other and uh, you have to get on or else. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, they are lifelong friends. And especially uh, Conan Farrell kind of really has a kind of a deep down kind of mad love for the Brendan Gleason character. He adores everything about him. And um, then one day, uh, Brendan Gleason turns to Conan Farrell and says, Look, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Thanks very much indeed. And it won't tell him why. And. Uh, which of course, you know, I, I, I think if it happened to any of us, where your best friend just turns around and doesn't want to be your friend, doesn't really want to tell you why, and just wants to kind of move on, and on a very very small island, that's very very difficult. So the film basically deals with uh, Conor Farrell's almost kind of almost his ego being really really dented because he can't deal with it. I mean psychologically, he's just absolutely broken. He just doesn't really understand. They're great friends. Uh, they have very simple lives because um, it's filmed on Ackle. You know how beautiful accolades mm. you know what I mean so sure, I, yeah the film kind of looks stunning and uh, it's uh, on the island of uh, Inishirin and um, basically they live in each other's boots throughout the day they don't have the most exciting of lives so therefore uh, at uh, the end of the day they like to meet up and they like to meet up at the pub and have a chat like you know people do as you do and uh, Conan doesn't necessarily have uh, the most exciting of lives either he lives with his animals uh, he's got this lo- <laughs> he's got this terrific donkey I mean the donkey deserves a, a, an Oscar nomination as Everyone well like He's talking about Jenny Donkey Jenny the donkey, the donkey is yeah. extraordinary she really is and um, and basically his life revolves around this donkey really so therefore most of his conversation is about the donkey and uh, basically what happens is that uh, Brendan Gleeson decides you know this kind of level of conversation as just something I just want nothing more to do it's dull because not only does the conversation revolve around Jenny as uh, you know as a, uh, as an animal and as a personality but also what comes out the back of her and so therefore <laughs> Brendan <laughs> Gleason just decides look I don't really want to be your Friend anymore. So Brendan has kind of um, he's, a, he's a musician and he basically thinks look I've spent all these years just talking nonsense to you I want to go away and I want to uh, write some music. Now Colin can't, can't deal with it particularly very well and so he just constantly peppers and pe- pesters him constantly pesters him and until one day Bre- uh, Gleason turns to him and says if you continue to try and be in contact with me I will chop off one of my fingers.
3: And he's a fiddle player, isn't he? And
10: he's a fiddle player. Yeah. So it's a big deal. It's a major deal. And that's how passionate he feels about uh, you know, this relationship and how he doesn't want it, to be part of it anymore. And that's when the, the film does, and I should point out, take a very, very dark uh, turn because up until then, it is hilariously funny. I mean, it really is. I laughed out loud a lot. And, you know, it's absolutely terrific. I loved all the, the characters. The thing about Martin McDonough, who has directed this, I mean, what he's very, very good at is not just. You see, the thing is, you've seen In Bruges, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Bruges is a great movie, and everybody talks about Colin Farrell, and everybody talks about Brendan Gleason. But what about Ray Fiennes? Because the character of Ray Fiennes in that movie is really, really extraordinary. And two of the other characters in this film, uh, Kerry Condon and Barry Killen, uh, They play the characters of Siobhan and Dominic. You know, they have equal almost kind of billing in this film and and, and screen time and is very good at that and gives them a lot of really really good stuff to say they are terrific characters and there's a lot of Hollywood stars who wouldn't uh, you know um, who wouldn't agree with this I mean historically a lot of Hollywood stars would look at the script and go sorry all those lines are coming to me they're not getting those lines this film is all about me because
3: I've heard um, Kerry Condon, um been everybody saying she deserves an Oscar nomination well the thing this. is
10: when I mean, all four of them could very very well be nominated because the Barry Keoghan character is really interesting because my, I had a bit of a worry um, do you remember Ryan's daughter remember yeah, John yeah, Mills Yeah,
3: it's almost like it's always I, he, it, that, I, that's when I saw him sorry when I saw the trailer that's the character I thought of
10: yes and and it's been you know it's, uh, traditionally a lot of Irish films are like that and they always seem to have a character like that in 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 the films I don't know why now the thing is I'm glad to be able to say that the Barry Keoghan character isn't really like that he's a okay. difficult man He he yes he has kind of a emotional problems but he is incredibly smart and incredibly funny and knows exactly what's going on here but at one stage you know he has this great line where he's just watching the two men just behave like children and go what are they 12 or something you know what I mean? <laughs> which is which is really funny um, but the film is very very dark and it does take a very very dark turn It so is a Martin
3: McDonagh movie though that he-
10: Exactly, yeah. Exactly. so keep that in mind this is not a film you sit down with the kids on a Sunday afternoon to watch do you yeah. know what I mean? and it is quite shocking at times but it's beautifully acted it looks extraordinary and uh, I really liked it very will much. It,
3: yeah. Will it do for Ackle what Star Wars did for Skellig Michael? It
10: wouldn't surprise me, it does yeah. look really beautiful, it really does, I know Ackle quite well and uh, you know just to see it on screen looking like that, because the thing that disappointed me about, uh, uh, Colin Farrell made a film called Undine in West Cork a couple of years ago and I remember I saw it on the big screen and when it was kind of blown up up to the big screen, it looked very kind of grainy, and it didn't really look good, that as as good as West Cork could and should. I was kind of disappointed with that. That's not yes, the no. case here. Okay. The cinematography, and is it's given.
3: under two hours for you, which is which is a real plus. <laughs> exactly. So the Banshees of year and mark it out of ten.
10: Uh, I'll give it nine. Nine. And I, I, but it's it's all a bit kind of Irish, yeah. melancholic for me maybe. And it, you know, one of the criticisms is that it's a bit stereotypical. I, I there were times when the you know the, the kind of modern man in me kind of went, ooh no, yeah, okay. which is why I don't give it a ten, but it is a nine. Okay.
3: The, the, the School of Good and Evil this is this got released on Netflix uh, yeah. uh, last week and this is the one where Demi Isaac from Mallow who used to be in the uh, Young Offenders
10: our Demi uh, plays, our plays a role yeah. who works for our uh, sister station S- yeah. Yes, okay. uh, who's very tall <laughs> and uh, every time I meet Demi you look up at her and you go oh well cause she's tall and she's very very good in this by the way yeah. can I say you know what I mean because the, I didn't think the film was very good I didn't particularly like it very much I thought but she
3: was exce- I thought she was incredible I was time, watching yeah. out for her
10: every time every time she's on screen because she's getting yeah. little kind of little smirks and little kind of little kind of her know, eye movement, <laughs> movement. Yeah, exactly yeah. incredible and, and she's very very good but unfortunately I can't say the same about the film you've seen it though you, uh, tell, you yeah. tell me what yeah. you thought of that well
3: I mean I, I, I would love to have watched it with say a group of pre-teens okay. I'm, I was trying To work out who, who it was actually uh, pitched at, and I remember when I saw the storyline. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Wicked, the musical, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, it's kind of something something like that the, go- the good witch and the bad witch, and, mm-hmm. and 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 whatever. And there was parts of it I i i love, but I mean, it is pitched. I do think it's is it pre teens, teenagers, uh,
10: teenagers, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's based yeah. on a series of very very um successful books. But the thing is, is that uh, I thought it's funny you should say that that was one of my first thoughts when I saw it. Oh, this is wicked, yeah, you know what I mean, because it's the school of of good and evil some people go to the school of evil and, and taught how to be evil and vice versa too with the school of good and the two young women uh, who are great friends in this film are basically split up and, uh, and they think they're in the wrong schools they're like why am I here I don't want to be here um, but yeah but when I was watching it I was thinking Wicked but I was also thinking Harry Potter I mean the, the, this has got Harry Potter written all over it huge amount
3: of, um, very of much Harry Potter yeah.
10: <laughs> very yeah. much so I mean you know when you think about the school for good and evil you're thinking Slytherin you're thinking Gryffindor yeah. yeah. and let's face it the films the Harry Potter films tended to kind of concentrate on those the whole time I'm thinking about it right? I'm just thinking about how it's like Romeo and Juliet there's references to King Arthur and Excalibur and True Love's Kiss so I'm thinking Shrek because Paul Feig wanted to make an anti-Disney film which is what Shrek was and I'm thinking about all this stuff throughout the whole thing I'm thinking this is one of the most unoriginal films I have ever seen and lots of <laughs> somebody asked me the other day they said um, so, so, so what's it like I said well let me put it this way stuff happens a lot of stuff happens yeah but it, I didn't particularly find it interesting. I found it very boring. And two and a half hours of this, you I, know, I no, found it very difficult. No,
3: and I watched it ahead of you watching it and I did think, because oh, we asked Mark to watch it, and I did think, oh, dear God, it's very long. It, 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 it is exceptionally long. But um, the costumes, I thought, were, were incredible.
10: That was the next thing I was going to say. The thing is, is that, well, there's two things that I kind of liked about Paul Feig's kind of attitude with this. Now, Paul Feig has done a lot of very good comedy movies. He's worked with uh, M- uh, M- uh, Melissa... Um, McCarthy quite often, and the thing is, is that he wanted to take as much. He didn't want that much CGI, but the CGI that's in it is really, really poor. It was it was filmed in Belfast, so therefore, when they actually do see, when you do see the Irish countryside, you do kind of get a kind of a sense of kind of it lifts you, and I think okay, and I really enjoy that. So all of the sets. All of the um, costumes, obviously, are all real and beautiful, and that's the thing. I thought the costumes were Starting extraordinary. On. I think the sets are stunning as well. The soundtrack is very weird. You've got all these very strange kind of pop songs kind of thrown in there, and they're and they're not very appropriate at times. And so the the soundtrack kind of really really annoyed me. A lot of big songs that just seem to be kind of shoehorned in for some for no reason. And um, yeah, I, I found it difficult. Look, my 22 year old loved it, and yeah. I think and you she's the target yeah, audience.
3: Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, okay, go go see it for demi eyes if nothing else and yeah. give it a high mark for Demi's sake. What are you marking it? Um, for Demi for the costumes and for the sets uh, four. Four okay and, I'm, and I'm going to give an extra ten. <laughs> I'm giving ten out of ten for Demi if nothing else. Got to leave it there Mark. Thank you for that. We'll Thank chat you. again next week. That is Mark Malone our movie reviewer and that's where I have to leave you for today. Uh, my thanks to uh, John Paul for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and of course he's giving away another one of those €100 Euro petrol vouchers this afternoon. and um, That's right. Enjoy your bank how to it again. Bye bye.
2: Today on
6: C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours
2: of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver.
6: Susan McCann to Derek Ryan.
2: And Daniel O'Donnell to
6: Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hit, guaranteed.
2: And everyone is Irish.
6: Join us Sunday mornings from 10am.
2: Irish Sunday
6: on C103.